This is the Common Sense Podcast presented by Tamar. I'm your host, Tamar Weinberg, founder and CEO of Tamar, and I will be talking to people of all walks of life who have suffered adversity and overcome to rise above the ashes and now make self-care and wellness an absolute priority. Hey, from isolation, it is Tamar, and today I am with Jen Brown, who has a great story to tell. Jen, thank you so much for coming. Super happy to be here, also in extreme social distancing, because that's the world right now. Yeah, explain where you are. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So right now, I am in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I was a New York resident for a really long time, and I moved down to Winston about four and a half years years ago. And for the past eight years, I have run a company called The Engaging Educator, which helps communication skills through improv. So my business with that is a bit on hold slash virtual and online. And then I also run a women's collective down here in Winston-Salem, North Carolina called Fearless Winston-Salem. Cool, cool. Explain that a little more. So that is, it's it's interesting because it all came sitting in a coffee shop with one of my friends. And after being in New York, there's so many third spaces in New York City, I feel. Like you can go to uh, like a little park corner. You can go to a coffee shop. You can go to a space where you can just sit with a person and talk. And in a smaller town, it's a little more difficult, I think, because you end up knowing everyone. So a friend of mine was telling me about some stuff with her job, and she was really stressed out about it. And I was like, wow, we really need a place that we can just, like a clubhouse, where people could go, talk, experiment, that sort of thing. So like drawing off of the co-working spaces that are for women, like the Wing and the Riveter, as well as organizations like the Brooklyn Brainery, Fearless came out being kind of a conglomerate of both of those. So it's an online space. We have about 4,400 women as part of the online space. And then it's also an in-person space that's in like the West End of Winston, which is kind of like a diluted version of Brooklyn in North Carolina is the best way to describe it. Okay. You know, you know what is also a diluted thought process here is if you've ever watched the 4400 show, just yep. just just a thought, just an idea here. That's like actually a great show. So you should watch it. <laughs> you know, when you said the number, I'm like, yeah, I love that number. Um, it's, it's it's really it's really good TV while we're all sitting home and binging binge watching things anyway. Although I don't have that much time to to do that because just been coordinating masks and food and all that other fun stuff. It's I have not really had the opportunity to chill as much as my husband, to, to my husband's chagrin because he can't sit with me and relax because I'm not relaxing. Yeah. This is definitely more of a time that I'm like focused on working than actually focused on chilling, which is some people will see this as downtime. A lot of people see this as downtime and me not so much. I feel like there's no transition. Like when you're when you're working and it's it's normal situation, you have transitions of like getting in the car or getting in the subway or traveling somewhere and then you get to like put one part of your life on hold. And right now we're so tired because it's just everything all the time. There's no break, there's no compartmentalizing, there's no transition. Yeah, you know what? That's a great way to put it. I hadn't actually thought about it that way, but I usually am a lot more disciplined when I have a little more of like driving my son to school. I'm out of the house. I can go to the gym straight from there, even if it means sitting in the sitting in my car, which I do for my Orange Theory fitness class. Because I, <laughs> funny story, I my son gets dropped off at eight o'clock, and the first class is at eight o'clock, so I can't I can't drop him off earlier based on the restrictions of of the school. 
And then I get there, I get to Orange Theory, and I have to wait for the 915 class. So I'm sitting in the parking lot for an hour from 815 to 915. And, I, you know, that actually, I'm, I'm more physically, I could get more stuff done in that kind of context, which is so weird than sitting at home all day. Because, yeah, there is no transition. I wake up, I roll out of bed, I make sure my kids have their Zoom classes. And then I am going to work while while one, one child is actually, I have a dual monitor set up. One child is on the monitor watching her Zoom class, and I'm on the second monitor sitting right next to her uh, doing my work. And then I have another child on a laptop, and another child on a laptop, and another child on a desktop. Like, that's just what you have to do these days. It's such a weird thing. And then, it, then there's school, and then there's, like, lunch, then there's class, sorry, then there's lunchtime. And that's when I'm able to mm-hmm. record a podcast. And then I have school again. And then I have, and I'm trying to get work done, but also trying to make sure that they're completely like disciplining my children and make sure that they're sitting there and they're actually focusing. And then it's, and then it's dinner time. And dinner time is really where I can focus for myself. I haven't been able to focus for myself. And it's, it's, it's a mess right now. It really is a very difficult situation. I'm sure you're struggling as well. And it's, I feel yeah, hard. It's, it's kind of, it's, I don't know, everyone I'm talking to, like, I think there's two camps of, of like, people are like, oh, Shakespeare wrote this in quarantine and hustle culture. And then on the same token, there's like, I can't get anything done because I'm overwhelmed. And I think that this is such a good time for people just to understand that we're all in the same confusing boat right now. And so it's like, however people are managing is how people are managing. Like I've seen so many people being, being very judgy, being very like, like, Oh, this person shouldn't be selling right now. or shouldn't be doing this. And it's like, we all process very differently, especially moments of grief, moments of stress. So I think it's just, it's a good practice in empathy for all of us just to get that, you know, we're all in a struggle bus together right now. No one is doing better or worse than anyone else. So let's just remember that. Yeah. You know, to that point, I will tell you that because my quarantine started um, in two weeks before the rest of the country, because we were, I was among the first case of community spread. And so they quarantined a thousand of us who were in contact with that individual person. And I will say that that was brutal. It was absolutely brutal because the rest of the world is still moving and I'm sitting there at home and I can't do anything. So I'm glad that I finally have joined you, you, your struggle bus has kind of joined my struggle bus because see, it's, it's like, I mean, when your world is appended by some sort of like catastrophe, whether it's a personal loss or whatever else um, it is, it, it's, you know, seeing the rest of the world moving when you're not, Thank God, like, I mean, I don't want to say thank God, but I want to say it's a lot more, it's a lot easier for, for it to, for everybody to stomach when we're doing it all together. And instead of like, you know, you're just by yourself and you're kind of in isolation from the rest of the world. And it's, it's, it's to me, when I see people and I get a lot of LinkedIn connection requests these days from people who have their introductions and they're so business oriented. And I'm just like, do you know what's going on in the world? Right. Like, where's your struggle bus? But, you know, thank God we're, we are in this together. And I do, I, I agree. And I love the fact that we are, we're, I don't know if I love it, but I embrace the, the, the fact that we're all doing this together. It's, it's a lot easier because we're all in it together. And I think that that's just, I mean, just remembering that everyone deals differently. Like, like I hear you, like that's, we have to do this together. This is one of those 
hopefully never again in a lifetime moments where your actions directly affect more than you. So it's like, you have to, you have to understand that it's bigger than you and more than you. So everyone that's out there like social distancing and staying home and not like gallivanting around on play dates or dinner parties or things like that. Like this, this is not a snow day, like stay home. Right. And I actually wrote about this on medium. So if anyone wants to check it out, medium.com slash at sign tomorrow. Um, it's, it's titled, I've, I tested positive for the coronavirus. Here's what I want you to know. And it talks about how I was in quarantine on for, it, it talks about a lot of different things, but one of the key points is that I tested, um, positive on day 14 of my quarantine, which is usually the minimum that the maximum that they request that they suggest. And mm-hmm. now I'm in further isolation. <laughs> so they got I'm fine. But I will say that if you have any type of symptom, even if you're not symptomatic, I don't think 14 days is enough. And we need to get flattened that curve as much as possible. I just read yesterday that Italy has finally flattened the curve. But I guess I would say, you know, thank God that they did it. But it, it's kind of like late because how many thousands of deaths did they experience first? Right. And I think I just read something that it was like active, just active. You are positive. Like, don't don't think don't wait. Just like behave as if you got a positive diagnosis. And that's the best way to think moving forward. And I I agree with that. Yeah. And I mean, it's going to be it's already catastrophic. So it's like not let's not mince words like it's catastrophic for businesses. It's catastrophic for small businesses. And that's just something, but, but Governor Cuomo actually just messaged and, and tweeted and he was like, yeah, like this is going to be hard on the economy, but first order of business is to save lives. Right. And, and I, I think that, like, that's what we have to do. Like we have to be like, this is, this is what we're doing first. We're helping people and it's going to be bad for everyone. Right. Yeah. I, that's, you know, that's also part of what I said in, in the, the write up that I had, um, which was shared like 300 times in the first 12 hours, which was crazy because awesome. I shared it. Saturday night at like 9.30 at night. So amazing to see that because I think that the message is important. We need to, in order to resume our lives, we need to stay home first. But if we don't, <laughs> then they're going to just cut, lock down the country. And right now we need to prioritize our inconveniences to to save the lives of other people. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But you know, not not that there's a silver lining here, but I, to some degree, I think that we're going to, we're all going to come out okay, but I'm sure that there's going to be a lot more rising above the ashes stories to share mm-hmm. in the end, because I think that we we will, it, it will be hard for a lot of us. I mean, I might have my new, a new story to share in a few months and you, you never know. And um, I, I know that that's part of the podcast. So let's, let's go to that. Let's talk about your story and how you were able to overcome yeah, so I, um, gosh, I have like so many rise from the ashes stories, but I really think the one that that jumps out the most is I was diagnosed with PMDD a few years ago, and so for those of you that that don't know what it is, it's not just uh, like bad PMS. It's actually like a week to two weeks before your period every month, you get severe depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, like. And, and ideation, and in my case, a lot of attempts. And it was it was a really rough go for quite a few years because I just thought I was going crazy. Like as someone who who feels like she's pretty in check with her emotions and her life, like and who runs a business about communication, like the idea of using escapism and just just kind of bailing on all of 
my life, my priorities, my business. And then I, I still remember the night that I, it was like after I had a particularly bad bout, because when I moved to North Carolina, I stopped drinking, which was part of my like self-medication when I lived in New York. And, and I started just taking more of a deep dive with myself. And I remember going through a bad week and me just laying on the couch. Like I just had a huge fight with my husband. I had like pieced out on some business calls and some business stuff. I completely just ghosted some things. And I... I Googled like, like, I, I think my actual search term was like crazy before my period, because that's all I could think of was like, what is going on with my life? And a self magazine article came up and it was, it was me to a T. Like it was 10 stories from women that were talking about what happened during PMDD. And it was like, I could have written every single one of those stories. And this, I sent it to my husband and he's like, this is really scary. This is what you have. And, and the scary part about it is there's not a lot of like, take this pill and you're better. It's more managing your symptoms. So over the course of about a year and a half, I, over the last year and a half, I would say I've been to, like, I went on antidepressants first and that caused a whole host of other problems. And then I started just taking better care of myself and going to therapy and working out and taking vitamins. And now I'm at a point where I feel like I have given myself so much more grace and I'm back stronger than I was before because I get it about myself and that awareness. Like I understand. And, and before I say before Corona, I was about to present at South by, I had like a ton of like, like many speakers. I had a ton more things coming up where I was traveling again. My business was doing amazing again, things like that. And, and then all of this hit and I was like, okay, well, this isn't, this isn't a negative. This is literally like, like, this is just another chance because if I made it through all of this, I can make it through this next thing. So I guess I'm in like, it was like a ashes rise and then back just like hanging out on the ground again. Um, but it's really helped kind of focus me in this time and to give myself those days that I think we all need to be giving ourselves of like, you know what? I'm too anxious to get anything official accomplished today. So I am just going to sit in my anxiety and do what I can to get rid of it. And tomorrow is another day. Like, like I'm not going to try to write the next King Lear or write another book or something like that. I'm going to focus on taking care of me because that's what I didn't do for so long when I was going through PMDD. Right. That's, that's great. That's great. Do you find, did you find like working out and all of those different things? Cause I know that there's like a whole concept of exercise out of depression. There's even a subreddit EOOD exercise out of depression. Do you feel that those types of things kind of helped bring you into this happy state? Absolutely. I mean, I think that the, now, now this isn't negating the antidepressants I was on. It just didn't work for me. And it, I, I would say it didn't work for me. It, it definitely saved my life because there were way too many times that I was like, the world is better off without me. I'm going to do this thing. And, and a lot of self-harm that occurred. So I will say that that did, but the, the biggest difference that I saw once I got off of it, because the antidepressant I was on was giving me aphasia. So aphasia is when you can't recall the next word, like you can't recall a word. So I was standing by my by my fridge and I couldn't remember my husband's name wow. and I couldn't say the word for spinach. 
And I was like, I have to get off of this. Like, I can't, I can't do this. And it was so scary. And then when you're going off of an antidepressant, you get something called brain zaps. So you're, you get these little, it feels like an electric impulse in your brain and you randomly get dizzy, like spinning, things like that. It felt like I was constantly having the spins. Like I remember from when I drank, like the, the, the moments in undergrad and even beyond that I would drink too much and I was spinning in my bed. That was a consistent getting off this antidepressant. So when I started working out, when that stuff stopped, I was like, oh, okay. Like this is giving me some of that energy that I need. So I I joke with my therapist. I'm like, I don't know what it is that's helping. And she's like, all of it, all of it together. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's not just one thing. It's a combination of several, but let, let me, let me ask you a question. Did you can't you didn't stop taking your medicine cold turkey you probably needed to based on your what you were having with aphasia but was that what was the experience that you had so as a as a as a non-doctor I will say that I definitely did the wrong thing and went off of it I didn't go off cold turkey I halved it and halved it right um but I also had the brain zaps because I've done that as well I've had to get off of it and I didn't have brain zaps but that's an interesting experience that you had and that's yeah it's also yeah. it's also very terrifying though. It um yeah, I halved it and halved it and I didn't um because I told my doctor I was getting these symptoms and and my my practitioner, my general practitioner was saying like, oh, let's just maybe you're on the wrong dose, let's double it. And I was like, uh oh, no, thank you. So I told my therapist that I was like, I read a lot. And I Google doctored myself, which again, I do not recommend. Like if you're listening to this, I did it wrong, I'm sure. And I have it and have it myself under the guidance of my therapist and like talk to her through it. But even she definitely chastised me and was like, Jen, you should be talking to your doctor about this. You shouldn't just be doing it. But I was just so frustrated because my career is in speaking. Like I teach for a living. I can't, I can't have those gaps in speech, in language, in understanding. I can't forget things like my husband's name and be able to function in my business. And so I, I again, did it, did it probably not the best way, but I'm glad I did looking back on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, yeah I'm glad you did too. I mean, although, yeah, having it, I wonder if, and I, when I've, and we're like, I also have to give the disclaimer, I am not a doctor either. But I will say that when when I have had to wean off of certain medications, the recommendation is give it a little like a half and a half, but not necessarily one day after the next. Like you might have to do a half for like a week. You might have to do a half of that next the next week. And again, you need to do it with the uh, with the consultation of your doctor and with their blessing. We we cannot possibly as, as neither of us are MDs, uh, give you the right advice for things like that. But sometimes it's, Absolutely. that's what you need to do. And sometimes Absolutely. it's really not medication. Sometimes it's other things that you really need to do in order to help yourself. I, I, you know, my story is that I was depressed several times. I actually had, this was nine years postpartum depression and I hit rock bottom and I was seeing a psychiatrist, not a psychologist. So it was a lot more expensive for me twice a week. And he put me on a cocktail of different medications. And while they did give me relief, I can't deny that they gave me relief. The thing that actually brought me out of depression was perfume. And it's a really interesting story. This is actually the impetus for Tamar.com and my entire brand and the podcast. Perfume saved my life. And it 
the, the story is that I, one day while I was in the rock bottom mode, I found a vial of perfume in a cabinet and I decided to put it on. But when you're putting on perfume, when you're depressed, you're not doing it for like most of the world does for other people. You obviously have very selfish intentions. Uh, clearly, I wasn't really sure what my intentions were at that time. They definitely weren't for other people. I wasn't invested in my appearance. I was walking around in socks and Crocs, pink Crocs, yoga pants and sweats all the time. I literally didn't, was not dressed for anything. I was not invested in my appearance. I was not invested in how I smelled. And I put it on and it changed my life. All of a sudden, it like perked up this sense that was pretty dormant. Like we take our, that sense of smell for granted, I would say substantially. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it excited me. I was like, oh my God, this, and it's not, it's funny. Everyone's like, what is it? It doesn't even matter. I had worn it before, but because my mindset mm-hmm. was so different, it changed the way I wanted to look at the world. And I decided to get excited about perfume. And then I started getting excited about life again. I, I started reading every single day. I've been focusing on learning a language every single day. I started running. I started doing all these things. And I started investing in my health for the first time. And I would say my, in, in, I would say close to 20 years. And um, that's where I am right now. I, I, I decided, I, you know, this concept of using personal fragrance for health and happiness is not something that the fragrance, personal fragrance brands in, entertain. They, they're not into that. Um, it's all about sex appeal for other people. But I think that this is about self-love and I believe in it. I strongly, strongly believe in that concept. And that is where, that's why I'm here. And that's why I created my entire, the brands on, in, in, that, in, that, in that perspective. That's amazing. That's like, it's so interesting to hear about different, like what pulls you out because I think the more we talk about like, what is that moment that like yanks us out of whatever life, whatever space we shouldn't be living in, whatever, whatever that impetus is, is so important to talk about because people are looking for like this one thing that saves them. And it's like, no, it's so many different things. It could be anything that quote unquote saves you and pulls you out. So I think it's really, really critical to be talking about it. Yeah. You know, one important thing is that it might, yeah, everything is going to work in aggregate here, but there probably is one thing that compels you to want to proceed and to keep going, to push you forward. So if you see that little, that little indicator, Follow that dream, follow it, because yes, it could be a reality, like it could turn into a reality. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So talk to me, you know, about your your career, because you went into like teaching and you're doing all that now and speaking was a big thing for you. But, you you know, you've had some trajectory changes in that in the career front. Tell me a little bit about that. I have so many pivots. Um, like I so I started I'm going to go far back, but then I'll make it short. So I started as an actor. I moved to New York, was an actor for many years until it wasn't fun anymore. And it wasn't fun because I was like, I don't want to be a waitress anymore. This really isn't exciting to me. So I went back to school for art history thinking, oh, of course, I'll work in museums and work in teaching in museums. And I was doing that and I was like, oh, okay, this is fine. Like, I like it, but I feel like there's something more. So my museum colleagues all realized that I was really good at pivoting and being in the moment and being flexible. And I was like, that has nothing to do with me as a person because I'm super type A. That has everything to do with my improv background and when I was an actor. So I started teaching classes for museum professionals specifically on being flexible, being in the moment, pivoting. And then it just 
kept expanding from there. Like we got salespeople in the class, we got CEOs, we had like VP of big companies like Viacom. And I realized that there were so many people that were teaching improv, but us, we were teaching improv very specifically to people that didn't want to be on stage. So we weren't teaching to be like, oh, like let me teach you with a bunch of actors in your room. It was like, no, no, like, let's teach you some skills, like active listening, like the ability to pivot, like sales skills, storytelling, and use those skills to further your career and further your professional life. So then that was uh, 2012, I took the big leap. And I've been doing that EE since then, the engaging educator. And then last year, uh, not last year, now, oh gosh, almost two years ago, I got, uh, I sold some of my EE curriculum to a leadership institute and I got a check and I was like, huh, you know what, let me make a choice if I'm going to be an adult with this check or I'm going to start this cool thing. And of course, I started this cool thing, Fearless. And so now I'm like managing two businesses, writing figuring out how to make improv virtual, which has been like, I taught a 20 person improv class last week over zoom. So I'm kind of like, okay, it can be done. Like I got this now. So it's, it's completely a pivot at every moment I feel, but it still is me. It's very me throughout everything I've done. That's pretty cool. You know, it's actually, it's, it's, that's an interesting pivot within the pivot, you know, to, to go to zoom. I think you mm-hmm. can get probably a lot more people because you're able to kind of bring it out to the world. Because this is a global thing right now. You know, we yes. were talking about earlier that we're all in this together. We're all in the struggle bus. But that struggle bus could be opportunity for, for a lot of things. I think in terms of improv in general, I think that that's a that's just a very cool thing. So I, I Absolutely. Yeah, hoping hoping that it, it's it, you know, blossoms and expands exponentially from here. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um so you you know you talked about in the beginning you know your self-care where you kind of brought the working out and all of that stuff to it tell me a little more about like what you're doing right now i guess in the context of corona (laughs) to some Mm -hmm. degree but also in general what is going on like how are you how are you doing it because i'm sure yeah we're we're in that moment right now where things are definitely not our norm. We're all like stuck indoors and we're trying to make do with what we have. But, you know, so how, how are you like keeping it real for yourself? And yeah, how, yeah. how do you normally do it? When I guess it's, th- these are things we need to look forward to when we quote unquote get out. Right. I think um, one of the biggest things that I'm reminding myself is that everyone communicates very differently. And I think that that giving people space has been part of my self-care because just watching people get upset and project and put this all this energy out there and like, oh, so-and-so shouldn't be doing such and such and such and such isn't doing enough. It's like, look, we're all in unfamiliar territory. Like, no one is prepared for this in any way, shape, or form, especially small businesses, especially people that, like, have, have lived and, and breathed into a sense of security and stability. So I think the first thing that I have done for myself has just been like, okay, well, everyone's going to deal with this differently. So how am I going to deal with this? And I think that both 
both creating right now is a form of self-care for me, but also taking that step back to be like, you know what, I'm going to sit on my couch and play my Switch and play Tetris. And I like told my therapist that last week in my teletherapy session. And she's like, oh, Tetris actually helps soothe like PTSD trauma brain. And I was like, cool, that's awesome. Thanks. Glad to know that my self-care is now essentially personal development. That's great. Um, (laughs) It's weird. It's weird to think about. Yeah, it is Um, really weird to think about. But that's good. Uh, Hopefully... Well, hopefully you're not doing Roblox. That's what my kids are doing. Right, right. But I think it's it's that that n- take like understanding what you need to take yourself out of it because especially right now, we're, we're there's no transitions. Like we don't have time to go from this to that. So we don't have that time to just calmly you know undo our brain from one task to another everything is integrated. So for me, I just have to shut off. Like I have to walk away from my phone. I have to not look at social media not have the news on and like, okay, it's all going to be there when I come back. No one's going anywhere. And if you are, you shouldn't be. So just take a second, give yourself space. And for me, that space is shutting off and like tuning into something that is not virus or work related, playing with my dogs, hanging out with my husband, anything like that is like my sort of let's take care of me. And and then last night, strangely enough, like before all of this happens, I, for myself, because I found I did so much stuff for other people, I auditioned for a play for the first time in 12 years. And I weirdly, and, and I say this not as imposter syndrome, but for real, it was weird, got cast as one of the leads. And we did last night a Zoom production of the play that we're probably not going to get to do anytime soon of much do about nothing Shakespeare is much do about nothing and so we had like over 2,000 people tune into this Facebook live production of zoom Shakespeare that's so funny but that's so amazing it's amazing to hear what people are doing to make make life work for them it's yep it's so cool very cool. I haven't. I I have seen the concerts, but I can't. I, I couldn't fathom that a play would be possible. That is very very cool. You gotta People, let us know yeah. more about those. Friends were commenting. Uh, I had friends tune in, and friends were commenting. They were like, "This was far better than I ever expected it to be." Because like we were working on blocking and staging and how we interact with our camera, and it it it's still up on Triad stage. So it's on their Facebook. You can watch almost the entire play and the entire reading. And it's it's a riot, I will say. It's, like, quite funny. So I'm going to get the link from you, and I will provide it in the actual um, post that I'll put on the Tomorrow.com uh, podcast, the Common Sense Perfect. link page, for sure. That's very cool. Very, very, very cool. Are you doing any more of those coming up, or is that... How you know, I, th- I think we put it we put it out to a bunch of people, a bunch of other theaters after last night. And so I put it out to a bunch of people, people in the cast. So we're like, let's just do this. Like, this is the new frontier right now. Yeah. Like, how can we entertain people and keep people comfortable as much as possible at home? And you think about like everyone that's, that's binging Netflix right now or Hulu or Disney Plus. It's like, how can we? Yes, we're all gonna have like blue light blindness after this from so many screens. You gotta use flux. Real... Flux, that's yeah. an app. You gotta make sure, and yeah. also with your devices, your Android and, and, and iOS, they have those as well. 
Yeah. And how can we, how can we keep art going? And I think that that's like, that's what's keeping us going right now is art and, and entertainment. So like, how can we continue that? Yeah. We need to make sure that these things don't die out. The restaurant industry kind of keeps them afloat as well. That's, that's also a mess right now. And it's, it's crazy. I'm actually, one of the things I'm doing, and you talked in the beginning about the two things that people are doing, either they're just sitting and doing nothing or they're, um, you know, they're, uh, you know, well, you were saying, you were saying that people um, can either like write a, a Shakespeare thing because he was in isolation or if you're hustling, I, I've been trying to coordinate quite a bit of that as well. And the restaurant industry, um, there's a guy who's actually unable, he, 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 he's a broker with like the farms and restaurants and because the restaurants aren't ordering as much as they have, they're doing, uh, you know, restaurants aren't ordering as much as uh they they usually order because they're most of them are either closed or they've scaled down because they just their production is they no one's allowed to eat at these restaurants so i'm actually working directly with these brokers and getting the produce directly delivered to people in my community and so we're getting literally 400 pounds of food 400 pounds of produce which is an insane amount of food. If you have, you have no idea. It's like twelve cantaloupes here. So I actually am trying to coordinate with the community. Like you, you say, like this is this is the hustle for me right now. This is actually what I'm doing during the 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 virus, the pandemic, and I'm trying to like you know get ten people for this order and eleven people for this order and fifteen people to hit the minimum for this restaurant. I'm still doing delivery. So that's the coordination that's going on here on my end. It's a little nuts, but. I want to make sure that, you know, like you, you want to keep art alive and I, and I love it. And I, you know, I went to a concert on Sunday, my cousin performed at a concert, a zoom concert. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, we're trying, like, we have to, we have to, as, as consumers who are, we're still consumers and people who are trying to protect the world. We also have to do our part in making sure to keep these industries alive, the arts and music industry and the uh, food industry we got, cause you know, we don't want to come back and everything's going to be shuttered forever. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. If you had something that you can tell Jen, a previous, an older Jen or a younger Jen, rather, not an older Jen, you can't tell her yet. <laughs> Maybe you can. You <laughs> probably can. It might benefit her too. But um, if you were able to give Jen any advice, what would you tell her? Honestly, I don't think I would be here without all of the things that I've done. And I'm really, really happy with where I am now. Like, I feel like if someone gave me the advice to like, you know, make the pivot, change, lean into it, I don't think I would be as appreciative as I am right now. So I really think I would just tell younger Jen, keep on keeping on. And like very, like, I know it's super generic advice of like, just keep, keep on your path. Like whatever you feel is right is right. Because I feel like we're all products of, of everything that we've gone through. And especially with improv, like, like you're not necessarily creating from nothing. You're creating from all your experiences. And I don't think that I would create what I have right now with all of those experience, without all of those experiences, I could say. Um, Unless I could tell younger Jen to like, hey, you know what, in 2020, there's some crazy stuff going on. So work on what's going on in the country before that. And like be a huge advocate or activist. Like that's the only thing I could think of. But for my own career trajectory, I'm like pretty happy where I'm at. 
Yeah, yeah, and definitely no regrets from the experiences that you've had because they kind of, you know, they form who you are and they make you stronger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Anything else you would probably say? Any advice? Any for for the listeners? For anyone else? I think for the listener, just remembering that you're human right now and and really giving yourself grace and space no matter when you're hearing this. Like if you're not doing great, then then take a second, check in. Don't don't do great. Like don't give yourself so much pressure to create and be and do all of this when you know you just need to take that step back. And in the improv sense, like really just pay attention to what's going on around you. Like improv at its core is listening and responding. So in order to do that and to be present in your own life, you have to take a step back from it and go, okay, this is what's going on. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. And this is how I'm going to react to it as opposed to constantly pushing, 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 pushing. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Jen. Stay safe. Stay indoors. Save lives. Yes, you too. Thank you so much. Thank you all again for tuning in. This is your host, Tamar Weinberg of the Common Sense Podcast. Till next time, 